Welcome to the e-commerce made simple podcast. I'm your host, Jérôme Deguin. Today, we are going to talk about a topic which a lot of people would prefer not to talk about because it's not very exciting, maybe, but it's very important because it's about legislation and new legislation, especially for people selling D2C or B2C, let's say. And Here, uh, we will have uh, someone from Avask, which are compliance VAT specialists. And she, Heli Anson is her name. And she will be talking about uh, the specific new legislation like the um, plastic packaging taxation and the extended producer responsibility legislation. So I won't start to explain to you what that is because that would be a, a second you know, podcast before the podcast. So you'll have to wait a bit and to understand that. And uh, Ellie is great because she will explain you all the details about it. And it's very important to understand what's your liability when you're in, introducing or importing products. And when the, this those products have got packaging or plastic, you will have to declare and pay a tax on it. And if you don't, you know the risk that Amazon may close your account because you're not compliant. So it's a super important uh, topic. And I hope everyone can yeah pay attention and learn from that because that that's very important. Before we even get into this, and I, I know, is this on top of the, because obviously Amazon fairly recently in the last couple of weeks, there's been the 5% um, rise in America, I think. And is it 4.3 across the UK and the EU uh, in terms of FBA um, yeah. fees? Yeah. And that's that's an environmental thing, but as well as kind of rising gas prices, rising electricity prices, which we're all thinking about. So this is an additional thing on top of that. So it was prior to the the rise. So it's it's something which I think it's uh, it's driven probably by the governments uh, and and the European legislation in that case about okay uh, how you pay taxes on on your packaging. Now on your on the raise of five percent and four point three percent. Unfortunately, I think it's mostly about gas. Uh, you know the gas prices increase, and I'm not sure it's really for the environment. Uh, I wish it would be, but I'm not I'm not really sure on that on that one. Before we start with Ellie, um, I understand that you're. Uh, well, I was going to say you're on the Forbes 500, but you're not on the Forbes 500, are you? I don't think you would be talking to me if you were mentioned on the Forbes 500. But you are part of the new Forbes Council. Yes, I would. I would talk to you anyway, uh, Joel. Oh, that's very nice. I am sweet. Uh, yes, I. So I've been admitted into the Forbes Business Council. So where we can sort of we exchange ideas, we uh, write, uh, we create a lot of content, and we are about to publish um, an article uh, on on the Forbes catalog. So it's a great, it's a great recognition for the teamwork we've been all doing in in creating great content and a great uh, brand awareness so uh, thank you very much sure well you know congratulations it sounds like a good thing should we get into this uh, you and ellie talking about this uh, plastics business indeed we should so everyone enjoy the show Great. So welcome, everyone. I'm really happy to have this uh, webinar today. So today, uh, like unusually in a different location, I'm in, in California. So a different time zone. Very interesting getting prepared for the Prosper show 
in Vegas next week. But today is not. We're not going to talk about Prosper. We're going to talk about a topic uh, a lot of uh, sellers should should be aware about and vendors, also people selling on Amazon. It's usually a topic you're not really interested into until it's a bit too late, and then you say, "Oh wow, I should have known." Uh, and the, the idea is to get you ready for that uh, type of uh, things, which is okay: product responsibility, compliance, and knowing okay what kind of things you need to get ready or you need to do before starting sell some of your products um and today i'm really happy to have heli from uh, uh avask we've had avask in in for different uh as guests for different topics it was more around regulation vat tax tax issues so today it's more about uh product regulations and and um, uh, those kind of issues um so as you as i've told you ellie the the habit here is to to start with a fun fact about yourself so Oh, the absolute okay. pressure. I've been thinking about this all week. Um, uh, I mean, many fun facts. Um, but I have to say, my funnest fact of the week is I celebrated my one year anniversary at Vask this week, which was really lovely. So it's great to be part of such a lovely environment. So happy one year to me. <laughs> Happy one year to you, Elise. Thanks a lot. So tell us a bit about yourself and, and Vask maybe in, in a few words. Yeah, of course. So hi, everybody. My name is Ellie Hansen, as Jerome said. Um, I work as the EPR program lead here at Avask. So I um, manage a team of international speakers um, who deal with um, changing legislation to do with environmental changes. Um, we also at Avask deal with um, accountancy and our main focus is on um, consulting. So helping you get the best out of your business and how we can help you um, move forward into bigger marketplaces, expand. Um, we also have a customs department um, and we're supported with, by lots of partnerships, especially with Amazon. So we work with Amazon a lot in terms of making sure that you're compliant moving forward. Can, and so what is EPR? Because you said EPR, maybe you could... Yeah, of course. What is that is a great question. I think that's the main question that's on everybody's lips at the moment. Um, so EPR stands for Extended Producer Responsibility. And although it's a um, it's a new thing for um, online marketplaces, it's an online it's a new thing for sellers. It's a new thing for a Vask. Um, it's not a new thing overall. It originally started in uh, the early eighties um, in Sweden and then progressed into their chemical tax. So it's essentially in an environmental policy um, which requires um, you, if you're deemed the producer of the goods, um, to take responsibility for the entire life, life cycle of the products that you're putting onto the market. Um, it's currently only applicable in the German and French marketplaces. However, with the view for it to then expand and rapidly, rapidly multiply across the whole of the EU and Europe. Um, so it's definitely something to be um, aware of as you're expanding into Europe, as you're selling into these marketplaces, that as of this year, there are some changes that have been put into place and things that you do need to be taking into account. Okay, so if we start with the, the so the, thanks for the introduction, is like the why, why is that so important? Like what, what's the risk? Like why, why should people be uh, interested and who, who maybe is, is, should be uh, looking into it? Yeah, of course. So um, you're essentially deemed a producer of these goods and liable for the EPR um, legislation. If you're manufacturing goods in either Germany or France, you're importing these goods into Germany or France, or you're selling goods into either of these countries as well. So the kind of 
um, requirements for this is you need to have a registration number, which then are per category. So um, France have gone for some sort of crazy scheme where they've got nine categories in which your goods could fall under. So these include packaging, um, electronics, batteries, textiles, furniture, um, etc. And then Germany have gone for kind of the more minimalistic approach. They've only gone for um, three categories, which are pack uh, packaging, electronics, and batteries. Um, so essentially, you require a registration number per category for your goods. Uh, it's definitely worth noting that if you're selling goods into these marketplaces, these may um, require more than just one registration number. So for example, if I'm selling mobile phones into Germany and France, um, I require a packaging registration number, electronics and batteries. So that's three different registration numbers per country. So overall, you need six different registration numbers in order to be compliant. Um, in terms of then moving forward from the registration, you also are required to do an annual filing. Um, the only filing that is slightly different is electronics, where it's monthly, um, but across the board, all of the categories are annual. Um, and the importance of staying compliant is essentially Amazon have said that they'll be removing non-compliant listings if you're not if you're not registered. So this is affecting majorly sales that you're making not only just in Q1 but also for the rest of the year. If your account's then suspended, um, you're looking at not being able to sell, not making um, any revenue, and that kind of thing. So it's it's really important um, in terms of um, the, the filings, what we do is from the point of registration, you're then um, required to make a forecasted filing. So what we ask is that you look at um, look at what you will potentially be making in, um, in 2022, uh, what you're going to be putting onto the market, sorry. So um, we ask for the weights and the volumes. This is how EPR is calculated. Um, you're required to kind of pay an additional I mean, they call it an eco contribution. However, essentially, it's a it's a fancy environmental term for additional small taxation, um, which essentially plugs the gap where um, there's not been as much financial support for the actual recycling, repurposing, and reprocessing of these goods um, into kind of higher secondary, um, higher quality secondary resources. Um, so the money that you're paying towards the contributions is going back into the actual funding of the disposal of these goods, which is encouraging a more sustainable approach to selling across the board, because all these countries have got massive um, targets to hit for the environment for 2030. Um, and it's kind of just plugging that gap a little bit. So essentially what we ask is, what the organizations ask is at the point of filing, we look at the weight of the goods. So for example, packaging, um, the weight, the net weight of the packaging which you're selling, so the packaging without the good in it, times by the volume at which you anticipate you'll be selling in 2022, and then they calculate a contribution based on this. Um, so that's that's kind of a, a bit of a whistle stop tour, I guess, of how the filings kind of work and how it's it's so easy to stay compliant, especially if you're keeping on top of it or you have a provider that is keeping on top of it for you. It's it's not supposed to, these contributions, as I said, they are they are minimal. 
they're not supposed to deter you from selling into these marketplaces. It's just being aware of these additional steps that are being put into place. And I think as the year goes on, as like the next kind of five to 10 years go on, I think you're going to be seeing a lot more of these environmental legislations coming into play. And it's really important just to keep on top of what's going on and what and what you're putting onto these marketplaces as well. Know the products that you're selling. Um, know your product specifications, know kind of what you're liable for and, and you'll be absolutely fine. Okay, so that's super interesting. So for me, if I understand well, the why for the states or the countries is uh, they want to, um, let's say, they want to like get money for the funding, the like environmental, the environmental policies or repurposing yeah, exactly. of products. The, for the why for the brands is like to prevent themselves to be banned from from amazon for example um which type of products exactly so because for example packaging every product has got packaging right so does that mean that every product which is packaging is liable to this or how yeah, does that um work Unfortunately, so it, essentially the, the packaging category captures a wide net of sellers. So it's not if I'm if I'm selling cardboard boxes that that's not my packaging. It's if I'm putting any of my goods into like a cardboard box or a plastic bag in order to protect it from any damage when it's going to the seller. Um, for France, they only take into consideration the primary packaging. So this is the, the packaging that I'm putting my good in um, specifically. So it's like your first kind of packaging. And then for Germany, they take into consideration both the primary and the secondary packaging. So this is not just the packaging that you're using for your good, but it's also the packaging that Amazon or your online marketplace are then using for your good in order to transport it to the client. Um, so that's where the kind of the difference between the two um, the two countries lie. But in regards to the packaging category, unfortunately, it's it's everyone that's packaging goods, essentially. So that means everyone selling will have to fight, right? Yes, exactly. Exactly. And so when when does that mean when is the risk will become higher like at one point you risk you have <clears throat> sorry your account suspended because amazon will see because I, I i presume it will be a bit like vat is like at some point if you don't have a, a vat number they suspend your your account probably it will be the same if you don't have that number or whatever it is uh, for that is that yes yeah, so there are some deadlines that are in place. So for the French categories, for all of their categories, um, they had the um, deadline of the 1st of January this year. So 1st of January, 2022, um, all of the EPR category deadline for France came in. Um, the, the thing with France is they've kind of been a bit more lenient and they've kind of been a bit, um, they've given a bit of a grace period in the sense that they sprung it upon everybody very, very quickly. Everybody wasn't really prepared. And these, these organizations, they have wait times for registrations, just like um, tax offices and places like that. Um, so what they've said is they've kind of put in a grace period that's undefined at the moment in length. Um, but they've essentially said, we'll cover you for any contributions that you may incur, um, as long as you're actively um, searching to then register yourselves for, um, for EPR. Um, this doesn't mean that the kind of the, the registration should be left and not done, um, just purely because Amazon are not going to cover you forever. Um, and that it's a lot of money that they're kind of putting out there and they will be asking for you to reimburse them. Um, in terms of the amount that they've paid. Um, so I would definitely still advise that you're actively registering yourselves. Um, Germany, I, 
I think it is going to be a completely different ball game. So as of the 1st of July um, for packaging and then the 1st of January 2023 for electric electronics and batteries, if you're not compliant, it will be immediate removal of your of your listings. Um, so Germany are already cracking down on compliance. Um, so it's just with France, they've been very lenient with Germany. Don't expect the same pattern to follow because they've been chasing people since the end of Q4 last year in order to get compliant. So, yeah, just something to be aware of. Yeah, like look where, where the efficiency is. Um, and yeah, France is in an election year, so probably that helps to be lenient. So I think that's super interesting. But so for me, just to make it super clear is that I would say most of the products which are consumer goods come with packaging, right? Yes. Um, so that means that includes everyone. And how much, what time of tax? Uh, it reminds me a bit of the green label, you know, uh, the thing with the rice recycling thing where you had to uh, also say how much uh, cardboard you were importing and so on. Is that how much, what kind of taxation is it? Is it uh, per tons of, of, uh, of cardboard? What, what's, what's, um, kind of uh, fees you could be expecting um so for germany i think it's just an extension of the green label label thing that you um that you mentioned um so for germany and france they do things very differently um for france for example they measure everything in units um so if you're looking around okay. anything less than 10,000 units that you're putting into the french marketplace you're looking at around 80 euros for the year um, and then for Germany, it's slightly different, um, just purely because they take into consideration that secondary packaging also. So your, your fee for Germany may be slightly higher, and then this is dependent on, they take into account the material at which your goods are um, made, at, um, your packaging's made out of as well. So um, say for example, 100 kilograms of paper or cardboard is gonna be cheaper than 100 kilograms of plastic, I think. 100 kilograms of cardboard is around 53 euros, whereas 100 kilograms of plastic is around 140. So it's just kind of levied on how um, how easy it is to recycle, how easy it is to repurpose, and, and then encouraging sellers to think about the packaging that they're using and how potentially they could be saving money um, moving forwards. Okay, yeah, it's a, it's a big topic, obviously, uh, like in terms of environment. I, I remember I was working for a Chinese company for a long time and they we had at the time for consumer products it's like the, the amount of plastic for a very small product was just amazing because just to make it look very nice in the shelves yeah. but it didn't make ecological sense so mm -hmm. I think that that's probably a good thing for the planet um, but it, it has an impact obviously for businesses. Um, well, we talked about France and Germany what, what about the UK are you being different uh, which would be <laughs> unusual of course. No, UK being different, never. Um, yes, we are being different. Um, we are looking to roll out um, EPR, kind of an extension of what's going on at the moment, but at EPR at the beginning of January 2023. Although at the beginning of um, April, there is um, the UK plastic packaging tax that's coming into play. Um, my kind of view on this is that it's potentially not going to affect the, the average day-to-day -day seller as much as EPR is and EPR will in the UK. Um, so for um, plastic packaging tax, this only affects companies that are manufacturing or importing uh, 10 or more tons of plastic packaging into the UK. Um, so it's, it's kind of on a bigger scale than EPR because EPR is affecting 
even like any sale that you're making, any good that's entering those marketplaces, you have to be then you're then liable. Whereas um, PPT is kind of on a bigger, it's on a bigger scale. Um, as I said, it's coming into play um, 1st of April. And then the, you're looking at 200, ton, uh, 200 pounds per tonne of plastic packaging that you're putting onto the, onto the market in the UK. Um, and this only also applies to manufacturers and importers that are creating packaging that is less than 30% of recycled plastics. Um, so it's, okay. it, it's making kind of manufacturers and importers more aware of the, the materials that they're making, like maybe using a lot more recycled plastics in order to create their packaging um, so that they're not incurring this tax. Um, it also there are there are certain exemptions with it. There's there's no tax on the the transport packaging. So anything that you're putting in pallets or um, like plastic wrap when you're using um, to transport to fulfillment centres, for example, or just around the UK, that's not um, taken into account. Anything that immediately comes into contact with um, anything medicinal. Um, is exempt as well and then also your exports so anything leaving the UK um, you can um, defer payment on that or claim back um, uh, or don't have a liability for those um, those plastics that are leaving the UK so it's essentially anything that's staying inside the United Kingdom um, you then have to take into account. Okay makes a lot of sense look I wanted to take a step back because you you mentioned two things it's a PPT so plastic Plastic packaging taxation. I have to read it to make sure I'm not <laughs> spelling it. And you talked about EPPR, sorry, yes. extended producer responsibility. Could, could you make so you you alluded to it, but could you give a bit uh, clarity about what what's the difference between both of them? Of course. So um, UK PPT, the um, plastic packaging tax, is only affecting those that manufacture or import 10 or more tons of plastic into the UK. It's very much focused on the only plastic itself um, and only plastic packaging. So it's very niche, it's very separate, whereas EPR, which then the UK will add to its, its roster of differences um, at the beginning of 2023, um, which is currently only applicable in France and Germany. This is you having to take responsibility as a manufacturer, as an importer, as a seller into France and Germany for the goods that you're putting onto the market. So I would say EPR, with EPR, you, if you're selling on an online marketplace into those marketplaces, you have a liability. With PPT, it's more of a niche kind of market. I, it would only affect like the big manufacturers or the big importers that are going directly into the country. Um, whereas EPR, as it expands across the EU, as it expands across Europe, if you're selling into these marketplaces, you, you automatically have a liability with packaging. So I'd say EPR is definitely something that you need to be kind of looking out for a lot more than potentially PPT. Obviously, it's it's good to know your liabilities with PPT. And if you are selling into the UK at large volumes, definitely um, reach out to somebody that has knowledge on it or, or do some research about whether you are completely liable for it. But with EPR, it's, it's just an extra obstacle that's been put into place in order to sell into Europe, in order to sell into the EU. Um, but it shouldn't deter you from selling at all because Europe is in a very exciting marketplace in which to sell. There's a lot of money to be made into the EU. Um, so it's just it's just about knowing what's going on. Like environmental legislation is so interesting, but it's also so 
difficult when there's different things coming in all the time. Um, just a bit of a heads up, I'm, I'm um, expecting Spain to be next on the list, along with Austria. Um, so if you are selling into either of those marketplaces, just be aware of what's coming. Um, I think with France and Germany being very big marketplaces, it's it's kind of best to start with the big ones. And although it was something that was discussed across the board and with everybody joining, France and Germany just happened to get their act together a little bit faster. But I think where it's affected a lot of people with a lot of people selling into Germany and France, um, it, it's kind of then laid the foundations for the expansion across Europe. So if we, if you understand how your liabilities lie in Germany and France, as kind of it expands across Europe, then you've, you're kind of already on board. Okay. And so could I say that PPT is only for the, it's a subtopic, which is only for the UK today yes. and for big manufacturers. Uh, EPR is for anybody and today France and Germany, but UK very soon in January and the next on the lines are, are Spain and uh, you said Austria also. Yes. Uh, the other countries, the other Amazon countries like Italy, Poland, Sweden, is that a topic which will come or not really? Uh, yes, it's definitely in the pipeline. I just, there haven't been kind of, they haven't alluded towards any deadlines of when they're bringing this into play um this doesn't mean that by next week i might have a completely different answer to you um, for yeah it's not an eu reasons. rule it's, it's a country right. specific rule yeah. yeah exactly and it's also country specific on the categories like like i said france has nine categories whereas germany only have three it's about kind of what those countries then deem the most important for them in terms of where that that gap lies in recycling and and what they as a country want to achieve in terms of um, reprocessing items. I would guess that across the board, everybody will be looking at packaging electronics and batteries just purely because um, there's a massive issue with repurposing and recycling electronics and there's a lot that needs to go into it. And also packaging, like it's very simple to fix storing um, or transporting your goods in plastic bags to cardboard boxes and just having that slight impact on not just your financial side that you're getting from EPR, but also on the environment. I think it's a good, um, it's a good, like, it's kind of a, like a KPI of, okay, how, how green your products are and it's an yeah. incentive to become greener. So think exactly. from a societal uh, point of view, that's a, a great idea. Um, one question is like, you talked about the fact that it's, it can be for manufacturers, for importers, for distributors, but like the only one who's paying it is the one who's selling, right? Like not like the not multiple people will pay for the same product. It's only the one who is actually selling to the end consumer, right? Who is liable to it. So it, it's whoever's bringing it to the marketplace, essentially. So if I'm you, you are able to get your um, EPR registration number from your upstream supplier. So if I'm an upstream supplier that's also actively selling into France and Germany, but I have customers that then sell into France and Germany, but those goods that they're buying off me at that point are not in the German or French marketplaces, I... I can pass my number down to them in order for them to stay compliant. I would say the likelihood of an upstream supplier doing this is very, very slim, just purely because you then have to take into account not just what you're doing with those goods and what you're selling into that marketplace or manufacturing into France and Germany, but you're then having to take into account what your customers are doing with your goods as well. Um, so, I mean, if you have extremely generous upstream suppliers, then 
by all means, you're still compliant if you're if you're um, being able to take those numbers off them and place them onto your Amazon page, for example. Um, however, I would I would kind of recommend having those conversations with your suppliers um, because the likelihood is that they won't want to take on that giant administrative task of tracking where your goods are going and that kind of thing. But I think okay. that's sorry. Carry on. Yeah, no, I wanted to push a bit uh, to, to clarify even more, because let's say you have a manufacturer, let's take the example of, okay, the product is manufactured in China. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, it's, pro it's produced there, the importer imports it in the country, then sell it to, let's say it's importing it in Germany, and, and then it's importing it in France, and then it's selling to a seller, for example, who's selling on Amazon. So who is liable to pay the tax? Is it the guy who's really importing the product or the one who's selling? Or actually, the government doesn't care, just wants to have someone do it? So I would say in that circumstance, the importer and the seller would both have individual um, individual liabilities. So the importer who's bringing that good into, say, for example, the French marketplace, they're then selling that good in France. So that that is then a, a French sale. Um, so they have a liability for EPR because that sale is happening in the French marketplace. And then if the seller then goes on to sell that good in France to a to a French consumer, they also have a liability as well to pay for that. So there is, I mean, as these legislation set up, as they all sort of like um, grow and expand, I'm sure there'd be a lot more clarity on kind of where that where that liability actually does lie and whether the duplication of the liability or the payment does actually need to happen. But that kind of, as you ex explained, that example could potentially be an, an example where that um, the seller could then reach out to the upstream supplier or the importer um, who brought that good into France, who does have a liability, and then they could use that, um, that previous EPR registration number rather than having to register themselves. But if they weren't able to get that, it would be two separate registrations and two separate payments at this point in time. Okay. Um, most probably if Amazon would is going to enforce the fact of having that number, you probably the seller will have to do it himself if he doesn't want to get blocked and not, like you said, like expect that, that, that someone else does, does the homework because exactly. they will be the ones at risk of being suspended. Yes. Um, great. I think that's really interesting. And I wasn't aware that, okay, that, that was sort of closing. I just heard about it. And like, as usual, it's a bit like the frustration free packaging things. Like as always, everyone will wake up like on the, in December, uh, 2022 for germany and so on so is that like okay we we know that we know the process um in terms of how to do it and you know how complicated is it what to, to be fair do you, you recommend really to use a third party i know you're biased but it's like uh, generally is it something complicated and you say okay people should be doing it or if you're not in europe or when when does it make sense to do it internally maybe and 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 sometimes to do it uh, or outsource it or is it always better to outsource it what, what's your like open uh <laughs> um, answer on that open i think my honest my honest opinion is um, kind of every organization, so each category is governed by a different organization in these two countries. Um, so they're essentially like your EPR tax offices. Every organization has a different um, process in order to register, in order to file. Um, 
for electronics especially you have to have authorized representation in either france or germany so you have to have a you have to be incorporated into France, you have to be incorporated in Germany um, in order to um, do these filings. Um, some processes are easier than others. Um, some of them you you could potentially be doing yourself. That That's completely doable. Um, however, and not just from my bias perspective, but from also somebody that like just needs to know that everything's being done right and being done in the same place. I think just from a, an ease perspective, as this legislation grows, as it as it starts even where, where there are these uncertainties where you just wanna check that you are compliant because at, at the end of the day, it's your business, it's your money and your revenue that could potentially suffer if these goods then get removed from these marketplaces. I would, as these legislations grow, I think the need for assistance or support or people that actually know what they're doing in terms of this is more important than ever. Um, I think I definitely wouldn't trust myself to do my own taxes <laughs> um, because useless. I don't know what's going on in my my world. I know what's going on in my client's world. But um, I think it, in terms of knowing what's going on, additional support, the ability to reach out and just ask stupid questions, um, it, it's definitely worth reaching out to kind of a third party provider on this. Um, just because it's the unknown, essentially. Yeah, no, I think it makes a lot of sense. It's a bit like also with VAT and and it goes a bit hand in hand with the process of probably, okay, you, you need VAT numbers and you need a fiscal representative in the different countries. And so you're adding that to that service and say, okay, that's an add-on. Is that something you can share? What kind of, like, I'm a, I'm a seller today, um, you know, in Europe and let's say, okay, for example, uh, reason is like it's I'm doing a million a year all over uh, Europe. Um, what a kind of costing uh, should I expect for, for each country? Like today, it's Germany and, and France. And in terms of the outsourcing, it just just an idea is like, are we talking about, you know, 500 uh, euros or pounds a, a year? Or is it more like 2000 or 10,000? What, what's a, a bit the idea of cost of, of uh, this, uh, the fees or the taxation and cost of the outsourcing services together, um, yeah, just to get, get an idea. Yeah, so um, like I mentioned before, the, the contributions, the taxation is, is based on the volume at which you're selling and the weight of the goods or the packaging at which you're actually putting onto the market. So it's very difficult to kind of give at, like actual ballpark figures for people because everybody sells different things but as I said before these are minimal they're not supposed to stop you from selling on these marketplaces at all in terms of kind of outsourcing to a third party um, I'm very happy to discuss people's um, individual situations in terms of service fees but our service fees are are very low in terms of um, competitors um, and things like that because because it doesn't need to be a massive money maker. It's not about that. It's about putting um, the environment kind of first and making sellers aware of it's just it's a small hurdle in which to go over. But yeah, um, in terms of fees and service fees, I'm very happy to go through um, anything on an individual basis if people wanted to reach out. Okay, I'll I'll translate it in numbers. We we in hundreds and not in thousands, right? Uh -huh. In terms of uh, fees okay so it's a actually it's a minimal fee for yeah. for very big risk right so yes. the, the, the the reason for not moving that there's no good reason except lack of time or, or knowledge but okay um and 
Dude, I haven't heard much about uh, from from any governments or any you know uh, I've heard about you know uh, on on social media and people on Amazon specifically is mentioning it and I've asked for, for one it's mm. like what are governments communicating about that I don't seem to get a lot of information on that topic yeah I think I think it's been quite quiet actually considering considering the impact that it could have on sellers I think where at the moment it's only with France and Germany hasn't really started yet, um, which which doesn't mean you shouldn't be registering now, by the way, because registration times are huge for German electrics at the moment. Um, so I think where it's just been France and it hasn't really like heated up around Europe, there's not a lot of talk going on about it, which is almost dangerous for, for sellers because like France, you're coming into the new year, 1st of January, you, you've got a new legislation to deal with. And I think as it ramps up, as as Germany becomes involved, as other countries step in, I think the conversations will then be happening and, and it will then be a bigger topic of which people are talking about. But it, that kind of almost gives it more of an importance to be talking about it now because it's not that out there. It's not out there as much. And then if people aren't being compliant, if people don't know about it and you do know about it and you are compliant already, you then also have somewhat of a competitive advantage in the marketplace because you're still actively selling um, because you're compliant. Okay, makes sense. Um, now we can open to anybody's question. If you want to jump in, do uh, feel free. I think that's uh, actually very, very interesting. And it, it's, uh, okay, a lot of uh, those uh, rules are, are coming up. Talking, of, Speaking of which, do you know if there's other rules coming up in the next years? Like, okay, the, the CPR uh, program will extend and will be for more and more countries. Is, are there other things you know about which we, we should be aware for the coming years? Um, there's nothing in concrete yet apart from the UK PPT. Um, I know that there are talks in in kind of incorporating a lot of things. And I think the view for EPR is to kind of um, once kind of all countries are involved and stuff like that, is to attempt to simplify the process, essentially. So potentially not looking at all these registrations per category, but um, maybe just having one number per country and things like that. So it's it's at the moment, it's it's a skeleton of what the legislation could be. Um, it's then I think the future of EPR is the expansion, but also the refining of it. Um, in terms of other countries, I'm sure they'll have their own little um, legislations popping up, but um, I will be very on hand in order to inform people about that. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised, no, if, if kind of other things come up, especially to do with packaging. I think packaging is a main hot topic at the moment. Okay, and I was thinking about, okay, how to keep people updated? I, I suppose there's a vast newsletter where people get that kind of information, right? Where, where is that so? And where could they sort of register to it? Is it on your website, I suppose? Yeah, definitely. So there's our website um, constantly has um, information going on. Also, if you're a client of ours, you have access to um, our global expanders hub which is uh, essentially a hub of knowledge in which clients can go to um, and just know what's going on, know a bit more about different legislations or how to expand businesses and things like that. Um, so if you just type of ask into, um, into Google, we, we do pop up. So there's a lot going on there. I love doing um, webinars. So I'm very grateful, Jerome, that you asked me to 
um, participate with you today. So and my face is popping up everywhere. <laughs> so I wouldn't be surprised. Well done. If, <laughs> thank you so much. I wouldn't be surprised if um, there were, I mean, we love to keep on top with webinars because I think it's it's a really great way of actively talking about something rather than just sitting in front of a screen and reading it. So there'll always be new information out there in, and, and support. So that's definitely something that- Great. And yeah, one additional thing is that I'm surprised that this is not a European legislation because typically environment or this, those kind of big topics are usually European things and then, then they cascade down to countries. So in this case, do you, do you have an explanation why this didn't come from the EU first? Because it's going to be a mess if every country has its own, which is already starting to be with France, having a different set of categories and so on. That's a bit strange because that's usually what the EU does right yeah of course um I think it originally came from the EU I think it was just like I mentioned it was just a case of Germany and France getting there first um I don't know why it kind of hasn't been more refined or imposed in a in a kind of more less country level kind of way um I as I mentioned it it may be something that happens in the future as as more countries expand and the EU kind of get a a a tighter grip on how to roll this out across all countries because I think it could potentially then become very difficult for sellers in order to keep track of what they're liable for and um but if if that doesn't happen I would just say my main advice for sellers would be just know what you're selling know your products inside and out you you are the ones putting them onto the marketplaces they're your products just know know what your liabilities are know what you're selling and you shouldn't be you shouldn't be running into any issues. Okay, I got a question here, uh, which is a tricky one. Um, does that apply also for vendors, like like for One Piece, uh, the people selling in One Piece, selling to Amazon, which is selling then on the market, or is in that case is Amazon in charge of the declaration? Uh, so it would very much depend on where that sale is taking place. Um, I would I would almost kind of ask like say to you reach out to Amazon and discuss that liability with them um obviously they are very aware of EPR because they're the ones that are majorly mm -hmm. pushing it and imposing it um so just reach out to Amazon about that liability but I would say it would depend on where that sale is taking place if you're actively putting goods into into those countries um even if Amazon is buying them from you if that sale is happening in France or in Germany you could potentially be liable for something um, so just be having those conversations with Amazon have those conversations with the providers um, that you're working with um, and you yeah. should have a bit more clarity there. I, yeah I would expect Amazon to probably take care of that because they're very discreet of where they're selling the product so it's not always very clear so i don't think they want to <laughs> get into that level of details with uh, the, the brands okay um now that makes uh, a lot of sense um i think we've we've covered most of it um today like in in what in the job you're doing is that epr today the most the, the biggest topic in terms of compliance or do you have other uh, topics which people should know about also in this uh, compliance world or like which or product responsibility which is quite wide yeah i definitely say that um epr is kind of the main um 
thing with compliance at the moment. Obviously, VAT is a massive thing with compliance. Um, but in terms of environmental compliance, which is what my kind of main focus is on, EPR is the main thing. And it's, it's definitely popping up more and more. There's ever growing things every day. Um, I think there's more people now starting to realize about it as well. Um, I think Amazon have done a massive push on um, compliance and things like that. So there is more there is more talk about it. It's, it's potentially not the hottest topic on the on the news or on kind of like people's minds at the moment. But it is something that um, for sellers that they do need to be aware of. Um, but yeah, EPR is it is a big thing. And like I mentioned, it's not going away anytime soon. And if you've got the foundations right now, you'll be all set for the future. Okay, makes sense. And in terms of compliance, do Avast support in other like label compliance, also in product compliance in generally in terms of bringing them to the market? Are that the things you can also support with? Yes, definitely. So we have we have um, additional departments who work with um, label compliance, product compliance, just ensuring that um, like packaging compliance, that kind of thing, making sure that your goods are actually um, going to be. Um, accepted onto marketplaces or are compliant in the different countries across um, Europe and things like that. So we have like a whole separate department from EPR um, who, who are able to help. If you, if you were to head over to our website, we have a whole list of services in which we can cover. Um, and I'm sure there's, there's something there that would be able to help out everybody. But yeah, definitely here to help. Lots of different departments, lots of busy workers. <laughs> That, that's good. We, we're busy, we like. Um, I think maybe the, the final question is like, okay, um, I've listened to that. I said, okay, now I need to get into that EPR topic. Uh, what's the next step? Let's say I, so I contact, for example, Avask and say, okay, I need to, I need to, need to get compliance. So what, what's the time frame and what are the next steps you'd say? Yeah, of course. So at Avask, we offer um, a registration service, reporting service, and also we can offer you authorized representation in Germany and France where needed. So for that electrics category that I spoke about. Um, so at the point of registration, we'd ask for um, application form, and then we'd send you a um, product spreadsheet. This is essentially so we can get a broad idea of what you're selling onto um, these marketplaces that are currently applicable. Um, so it's essentially asking for weights of goods, weights of packaging, um, so that this information is then um, able to be sent off to the organizations. You then have um, consultation with your account manager in order to go through just checking your liabilities, making sure that you're aware of what you're liable for, and um, maybe adding a category that you didn't think you needed or taking away a couple of categories that actually you don't fall under. Because um, I think with these categories, it's not just as simple as saying, okay, textiles, that must be anything that's made out of cloth. Um, it's it's not, it's a, it's a bit more refined than that. Um, so you have consultation with your account manager, and then that would go to the relevant organizations in terms of registration. Um, for registration timeframes, I'd say for Germany at the moment, you're looking at about a week for packaging. And then for um, electronics and batteries, you're looking at about 10 to 12 weeks at the moment, just because there's a lot more that goes into the registration process. Um, for France, for the different categories, you're looking at about between four to six weeks. Um, for the registrations so they're, they're not massively long time frames um but obviously with more people that are um 
being compliant, becoming compliant, registering for their different numbers. These are not massive organizations. They're not, they're, they're not the size of your average tax office. These are, um, they're essentially just organizations in the different countries that have taken on this, taken on this service in which they can provide. So they're not, they're not huge establishments by any means. Um, so by additional volume, um, the registration times are going to le um, lengthen. So, which is why kind of, I always say, even though Germany's a little bit of a way off, it's not until July, we're all thinking about our kind of summer holidays, but also thinking about EPR deadlines. Um, we just need to be making sure that these deadlines are not looming and our registration times are not increasing. So the need to register is still very much apparent, even though maybe German packaging registration at the moment is only a week. Yeah, it's like it reminds me of what happened when they started, Amazon started to enforce all the VAT, having a VAT number was starting to close all the accounts and everyone sort of rushed into like getting a VAT number in, in Germany. Then all of a sudden they took six months to get a VAT number. Yeah. So I think that's a very good example. It's like, okay, the early adopters here have clearly a benefit of not, not having a suspension. And like for anybody experienced with account suspension, they don't they want don't want to go through that. So the yeah. earlier uh, the, the the better, right? So yeah, I think that's um uh, that's the golden nugget of, of today is like okay, let's get going. We need to reject just as soon as I get that over with and, and be compliant because that will uh, take some risks out of the picture. And I think that's always very important when you're a seller because, uh, as I said, suspension is is really can be a real uh, issue. So thank you very much, Ellie. It was great having you. Um, I So we will send all your details in the following up uh, newsletter and with all your contact details. So you can go to avask.com, I suppose, and uh, get all the information. Thank you very much, everyone, and talk to you very soon. Thank you, Ellie. Thank you. Thank you.